You're listening to Jump to Recipe, the show for busy people who love to cook. This is one of our older episodes from when we were called Time Management Insider. Back then, we focused on all kinds of time management for inside the home, not just cooking, except there was quite a bit of cooking back then too, because it was still me and I'm a little obsessed. I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's jump in. This is Time Management Insider, a show where we share way too much information about meal planning and time management for inside the home. Hello, can you believe that it is May 1st? Welcome to May. What a beautiful month. I think the weather is finally becoming nice everywhere. Although I'll say my family had more snow up in Manitoba, Canada just this past weekend. So, oh, I don't know, but I hope it is warming up where you are and you're getting excited about summer. I have to say I am super excited about the workshop that I was telling you about last week the workshop where we're talking about the chore of cooking and how to make that hobby that we used to love, cooking, that has become a chore, this thing we have to do for our family, for our kids, possibly for a job like I do. We have to do this chore all the time. How do we bring the joy back to that? How do we find the love of that? You can sign up for that workshop at cookthestory.com slash joy. And yeah, I'm just doing all these exciting things, getting ready for it. I have some really fun interactive activities that I'm planning and just wonderful ideas to get us all inspired about cooking, about figuring out how to deal with the chore side separate from the parts that we love. And to that end, I am super excited that I am talking today with cookbook author Paula Scheuer. You might know her from thekosherbaker.com. She has a whole bunch of cookbooks, including The Kosher Baker, but also the more recent one, The Instant Pot Cook kosher cookbook. And I'm talking with Paula about some of my favorite things about cooking, that big party meal planning, holiday meal planning, working with a new gadget like the Instant Pot, some of these bigger projects and how you fit those in. And of course, we're also talking about how to do all these things when you're maintaining a kosher diet, which is just an added level of fascinating to me. So that is what I have for the first part of the show for you today. And then at the end of the show, I have a five-day meal plan for you that I have figured out. It is all kosher inspired. I'm pretty sure it actually is all kosher, but they're just like really simple, delicious recipes that I know you're going to love. They've all been chosen because the ingredients kind of work together, similar ingredients in different meals, so your grocery list is nice and short. But there are lots of variety, lots of different things to eat. I love that. And so it kind of makes that chore part just a little bit more fun. And I've kind of done the chore work of the meal planning and the grocery list making for you. So that helps with that chore as well. Okay, so the meal plan will be at the end of the show. And now we're going to talk to the kosher baker, Paula Scheuer. Oh, good. 
Great. Well, I really am excited to have you on the show. I know you have a new cookbook out recently, the Instant Pot Kosher Cookbook. And so I thought it'd be really great to find out a little bit about kosher cooking from you and then dive into some kosher baking, because I know you're an expert on that, and importantly, the Instant Pot. So could you start by telling us what kosher means for anybody who isn't really sure? Okay. So for Jewish people who keep kosher, basically there are certain animals we eat and certain animals and fish we do not eat. So that's one piece of it. We don't eat shellfish. And, you know, within that category, there's just lots of different meat we can eat. And one of the, one of the more challenging parts is that we don't combine milk and meat in the same meal. That means we won't make chicken parmesan. We won't eat a steak and then immediately have a dairy dessert like ice cream for dessert. We have to wait a certain amount of time. And that depends on people's customs. So for both cooking and baking, it means that if we're making a meat-based meal, that everything in that meal and dessert has to be dairy-free. Okay, that makes sense. And so in terms of, so you have your website and the cookbook, The Kosher Baker. In terms of baking, what ends up being the biggest factors that you need to be keeping in mind that makes it different from non-kosher baking? Absolutely. So, you know, if I'm baking dairy, then I'm baking with butter and cream and milk, just like everybody else who's just baking in general. Mm -hmm. But if I'm making a dessert to have after a meat meal, then everything I bake with has to be dairy free. And that means Instead of butter, I'm using one of the many available plant-based substitutes, some kind of margarine, but there's so many options today. Instead of milk or cream, I'm going to be using coconut milk, almond milk, soy milk. There, there are so many more options mm-hmm. today than when I wrote my first cookbook, The Kosher Baker, in 2010. So it makes it a lot easier to do, to do dairy-free baking. And also, there are so many people out there on a dairy-free diet, even if they're not kosher. So there really is a whole industry now to support this kind of baking. Now, when you're taking a recipe that's dairy and converting it to dairy-free, which what I had to do after I went to cooking school in Paris in the 90s, I took all of those French pastries and turned them into dairy-free desserts. Oh, wow. Which I started teaching and cooking classes at home. And then since then, I've traveled the world teaching these kinds of recipes. And it was making those recipes work and finding the right substitute. So a lot of trial and error, a lot of what I call the bake and dump, where I make something and it just ends up in the garbage, (laughs) but a lot of wonderful successes. I can make the most wonderful vanilla pastry cream dairy-free with soy milk or almond milk. So I love the science of it, of Mm -hmm. converting the recipes and and trying to make sure that they taste as good as as the dairy versions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes so much sense to me. I'm, I want to go back a little bit to something you were saying about when you're going to have a meat-based dinner, then you can't have a dairy dessert. And I'm thinking about in the context of this show where we're talking a lot about meal planning and time management, that is like this extra level of planning that you need to be doing. Like I don't, you know, I I often buy, I buy some ice cream or I'll buy something to have and well, oh, do you guys want dessert tonight? And it's just this simple, straightforward, like it's not something that I need to plan or think about. So how is that just like when you're making meal plans or holiday dinner plans and everything, is that like a huge, you're deciding first, is this a meat meal? Like, how does that go? Well, the good thing is so many of the dairy substitutes have a longer shelf life than the dairy versions. So I can have a, a, a box of soy milk sitting on my shelf. So what if I want to bake something, I already have it there. Mm-hmm. 
dairy-free margarines, dairy-free kind of butter substitute sticks and tubs can be in my freezer as well. So I tend to have those ingredients on hand. And the key thing is for just all baking, Mm -hmm. and especially if you're baking for a special diet, whether it's gluten-free, nut-free, or dairy-free, is to just have some of your favorite recipes, ingredients in your pantry, in your fridge all the time. I have a chocolate chip mandel bread, like a biscotti. It's the first recipe in my first cookbook, The Kosher Baker. I always have orange juice or oranges around, chocolate chips, oil, flour, sugar, vanilla. So I can make those cookies like anytime I want. Mm -hmm. So you should always have the ingredients for, for like somewhere between like one and three recipes, maybe a cookie, a bar, and a cake so that Last minute, you want to make something, you've had a tough day, you forgot it was somebody's birthday, you are ready to go. You've got those ingredients. So that's what saves time that you're not, oh, no, I want to bake this. I got to first go out and get those ingredients. So, Mm -hmm. and I always tell people when you're planning a meal and inviting people over, whether it's a holiday or another special occasion, not every element of your meal has to be wow. You could have a, the first thing people eat and the last thing are usually what it makes the most impact. So a fabulous soup and a fabulous dessert means that whatever you put in between could be pretty basic. Not everything has to be so complicated. Side dishes that take two hours, like there's no time for that, right? Like you really should focus on mixing and matching your meal with some things that take a little more time and things that are super fast and always make the dessert first, get that out of the way. It always takes more time than making your side dish or your soup. So just get it done. Plus in all of my cookbooks, especially in the, my baking books, The Kosher Baker and The Holiday Kosher Baker, I explain what can be frozen in advance. So you could have those dairy-free or special diet desserts just sitting in your freezer. I always keep gluten-free cookies around if somebody comes in. So many of those great recipes, you just freeze them and then you just pull them out when people show up. And I think that is the best way to kind of save time when you're thinking about entertaining and also to enjoy yourself on like that random Tuesday, you need to pick me up and you can just take one cookie out of the freezer. Oh, I love I love all of what you're saying. I feel like I don't do a lot of baking. I don't have the the sweetest of teeth. But um, I the the having ingredients on hand for those meals is what I think about. I, there's like, four or five meals that I always have the ingredients for. And if we didn't stop at the grocery store, something goes wrong, extra people show up, like anything like that, I always know, like, we've got it. We're fine, you know? So thinking about that for a baker makes a lot of sense to me. Oh my God, the freezer is your best friend. You should always have freezer bags around, Mm -hmm. disposable aluminum pans or containers so you can put things in, parchment paper to layer between Mm -hmm. the cookies and bar cookies in the freezer. And it, as long as a recipe doesn't have fruit baked into it, mm-hmm. it can be frozen. So if you, pies, like a solidly baked pie can freeze, but that bottom crust may not always be as crisp as you would like it. Apple cakes, I don't freeze, but anything that's kind of dry, chocolate, lemon, poppy seed, any kind of, any kind of cookie just freezes beautifully. I love all that. I have a question. I just want to clarify. Eggs are not considered dairy for kosher or for No, exactly. That is a great question. Even though eggs come from a chicken and chicken is considered meat, eggs are considered neutral. We call it parv. So you can use them for dairy or for meat. It's one of those decisions rabbis made a long time ago, which don't always make doesn't always make so much sense. And fish as well is considered neutral. So like I can bake fish with cream, a cream sauce. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. That's great to know. But that means I think what I was trying to think about was if you just always bake dairy free, 
then you know you can have it anytime, right? You don't have to, like, oh, we're having, we're having roast beef today. It doesn't matter because everything that I've baked is dairy free. Right. But sometimes, Christine, you need a cheesecake. Oh my goodness. Even I sometimes need a cheesecake. <laughs> I love need, that. I love that. Need being the operative word. And so I do some dairy baking as well. We have a holiday at the end that's usually early end of May, early June, where our tradition is to eat all dairy. So I have so much fun. I make a challah that's like brioche oh. and I make cheesecakes and blintzes and it's really fun to kind of venture in. And I trained in France. So like I really love to make dairy desserts. I, I love that. What what holiday is that? It's called Shavuot. It celebrates when the Israelites went to Mount Sinai to receive the, the, the Bible, the Torah. I love that. I know this is completely different, but we, we just had Easter and I end up making so much stuff with hard boiled eggs at Easter. And it, it becomes such a celebration. Uh, you know what I mean? Like we do hard boiled eggs, we paint them and then the, and so it, it's kind of, it, it reminds me of that, that like suddenly we're doing all this stuff with an ingredient that we don't do all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And at the same time, what I always like to say when you're planning meals and celebrations, just like we like to have old and new guests, old and young guests at our holiday tables, Mm -hmm. we should have like old and new recipes, right? So you have a recipe that tells your food story that you enjoyed as a child or you make every single year on a holiday. And that's the one that your family always or your friends always remember. And then add something new. It could be a recipe from me, a recipe from you find online and to create new traditions. So it's kind of marrying old and new traditions at the table. Oh, I love all of that. You've just given like so many ideas about menu planning for parties. I liked what you were saying before about how not everything has to be fantastic. I I talk all the time about, I have a meal planning tip called the side dish solution, where you actually focus on the side dish. You make one amazing side dish and then you can just have plain chicken and plain, because because the one thing is amazing and it's kind of similar to what you're saying. And that, so if people are like, okay, I'm going to make one amazing thing everything else will be basic. I'm also going to have like one new thing on this table and make my grandmother's older that you sort of are making it easier to do that decision making part of the party planning, which can be the hardest part, right? If you have those boundaries. Right. And at the same time, like just because a recipe like the you'll see in a cookbook that a recipe looks beautiful, doesn't mean it takes a lot of time. I'm all about recipes that look gorgeous that really are easy. I wrote a whole cookbook where I took traditional Jewish foods and other foods and lightened them up. It's called the healthy Jewish kitchen. Mm-hmm. And the recipe, the, everything is really simple and, but it really looks great. So I always tell people your meal should look like you slaved in the kitchen all day, but you, but no way you did it. And people always think French pastry is so complicated, but I can make a tart by making a dough on Monday, putting in the freezer, make a filling for that dough on Tuesday, stick that in the fridge, poach pears or apples on Wednesday. And then Friday morning, I put it all together. Each step took me 10 minutes max. Some took me even less. Mm -hmm. And I bring this out and people think, wow, this is amazing. But as long as you know, like you can make a soup two days before a room temperature side dish, you can make that the day before and balance out the dishes that you can just take out of the fridge at a room temperature and others that you have to reheat so that you're not reheating so much food. Just think about Thanksgiving. Like you're so many things you're trying to keep warm. So this healthy cookbook of mine has so many room temperature side dishes. So it's like your work is done. You just take that baby out of the fridge and put it on the table. I love that. I love that so much. You know what? You're you're giving me the best segue because you were talking about things looking beautiful, but not being difficult. And the first thing that came to mind was the cover of, I think it's your Instant Pot cookbook that has, I don't know what the dish is, but there's sliced citrus fruit on there, right? Yeah, this is the my orange chicken. 
And it's so interesting that you want that you want to talk about that, which is also super easy, looks beautiful recipe, mm-hmm. but also on the cover is my beet and quinoa salad, which is a wonderful gluten-free vegan main course. And I made it for Passover as well. You cook quinoa with little chopped beets and it turns pink. And then I mix it with walnuts and celery mm-hmm. and parsley and a vinaigrette. It is fabulous with fish, with eggs, with mm-hmm. chicken. It's on a barbecue. It's a pink side dish, room temperature also, mm-hmm. super easy. Mm-hmm. You make in the Instapot and it takes zero minutes to cook. I'm not kidding. It's so fast. I love it. No, that cover is, it's so vibrant. It's beautiful. So let's, let's talk about Instant Pot kosher cooking. What are the things that, I mean, what, what were the challenges in coming up with that kind, that kind of cookbook? Well, you know, the interesting thing is that the core of kind of traditional Jewish food, and my my tradition is Eastern European Ashkenazi, mm-hmm. and our traditions are like full of soups and stews, right? And that is the sweet spot of the Instapot. And hey, like I was late to the Instapot game. I thought like I have a kosher kitchen, which means I have separate utensils for milk and meat and separate baking pans for my dairy baking, my non-dairy baking. So I've, my kitchen is so stuffed with appliances, separate food processors and mixers. Did I have to buy another appliance? But once I realized that so many of the dishes we love come out so great, we like to cook like certain kinds of short rib meat until it's really soft. Well, that used to take me an hour and a half in the oven, takes me 35 minutes in the Instant Pot. Mm-hmm. My traditional chicken soup has the richest flavor in the Instant Pot. I almost never cook soup on the stovetop anymore. Every soup comes out better. And I could make some Jewish side dishes. I even do like cheesecake and honey cake and sponge mm-hmm. cake for Jewish holidays in the Instant Pot. So I've been really happy using it. I think it's a great addition to everyone's household. And especially like my my four children are in their 20s. They don't have a lot of space in their kitchens, in their off-campus apartments, and their, you know, kind of apartments and homes. So the Instant Pot replaces so many pots and pans for them. Mm-hmm. So, and of course it does save time because you know, my children who, you know, work, they come home at, you know, 5.30, 6 o'clock or sometimes later coming back from class. And they know they can take out this device, throw a bunch of things in it. And within an hour, they can have a whole meal. Mm-hmm. I have recipes with like a stew on the bottom, the rack, rice cooked on top. You open up the lid and you've got your stew and you've got your rice all done. Spaghetti bolognese, the spaghetti, the meat sauce, all in the same pot with one bowl to wash. That is- and speaking of time, I hate washing dishes. So Instant Pot like saves you from so much dishwashing. Oh, yeah. I mean, because it can saute. Like you can do your searing browning in there too. I have to tell you, it's so funny that you you were ambivalent about getting an Instant Pot at first. It felt the same way. Like I, I already know how to cook. I've got all these recipes down. What do I need this newfangled trendy thing for? I finally got it because similar to you, probably it's our industry and you can't not embrace something that becomes this popular, at least try it. It sat on my front doorstep, well, in, inside my door, in my in my foyer for, uh, gosh, three months, maybe, because I just, I just oh, didn't I, see, want to. I have heard this story so many times. You know, one of the things I did in the Instapod Kosher Cookbook was every recipe walks you through how to use the device. So you don't have to like read the instructions at the front of the book. It says like, press this button, then press this button, press that button. I did my book endorsed by the Instant Pot company. So I was able to just look at the machine and tell everybody what they needed to do. Because so many people were afraid of them because of pressure cookers of old. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's definitely been life-changing. I have one dairy one 
and I have two meat ones. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Now, actually, I have a question about that. So you have separate Instant Pots for them. Would you have been able to just do separate inserts or do you need a different lid that it really is? No, the- you can like, there are certain things that you can't kind of kosher. They have to be solid metal. You can't really kosher that top. There's too mm-hmm. many holes and pieces where food can get into it. You know, and everybody has to follow their own rabbinic authority with how they use their pots and pans. For me, I just kept completely separate ones. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, I love my... I, one of the things I love about having the dairy one, I make cheesecake, pota creme, mm-hmm. different kinds of custards in it. I can make, it's just been wonderful. I've made macaroni and cheese in it. I make my breakfast oatmeal, steel cut oats come out so great in it. So I'm using it from morning till night. I just find it, it's really saved me so much time in the cooking part mm-hmm. and the cleanup top. And speaking of time, when I, you might've had this experience too. When I first started using the Instant Pot, people say, oh, you cook this for five minutes. Well, it takes 10 minutes to come to pressure. So that's actually 15 minutes. That's not five. So I put in every recipe approximate time to pressure so that you would actually know how much time it was going to take. People are busy and we want to plan, which is why I always tell people to make dessert first. But we want to know how much time it's going to take us to prep a recipe Mm -hmm. and cook it because what you make at like five o'clock when you have people coming at seven is very different than what you're making at 11 in the morning, different recipes, depending on how much time you have. So I feel like I want to empower people. I want them to be successful in the kitchen. Here's all the information, plan out your meal. And once again, design your menu around things that are super fast and easy and things that are going to take a longer time. Yeah, no, the point about the time to come up to pressure is so important when people are first using the Instant Pot because it depends on what's in there, right? Like if you're making a big pot of soup, and you're only going to pressure cook it for five minutes, maybe because it, you know it doesn't need a lot of cooking time. It might take even as much as twenty minutes. I, I'm thinking to get all the way if there's a lot of ingredients in there to get all the way up to pressure. So kind of if if recipe your recipes it sounds like are written to incorporate that time, and people just need to know that. So then it's with like cooking time does not equal how long you set your pressure cooker to cook for. That's in the instructions later, and they need right. to be aware and- of that. And, and you can use these recipes and not just the Instant Pot brand's device. I've done in Instagram lives. My Instagram is at Kosher Baker. And I've done Instagram lives with friends with different pressure cookers. And sometimes theirs comes to pressure first. And, some, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes mine does. So it really, it really kind of varies. But I think that it's been a really wonderful trend. I've been posting some Instant Pot recipes on TikTok as well. Mm-hmm. I'm on TikTok as at Chef Paula Scheuer. And that's been just kind of a fun way to kind of show do lots of videos where people can see how to use it and how easy it is. I actually had to bake a spaghetti squash in the oven recently during Passover because I didn't have a Passover instant pot. We use separate utensils and dishes on that holiday too. Mm. And you know, it was 45 minutes in the oven, which so I had a plan completely differently. Yeah, so yeah. you know, I there were certain things that I would never cook again on the stove, you know, on the stovetop or the oven. Oh, it's true. I, I think I use my stove in my oven way less now than I used to. Like when actually even when I have to preheat my oven, I feel like I I I don't want to say like resentful a little bit. I'm like, oh like, <laughs> I've gotta gotta right. wait for this. I've gotta do this thing now, you know? Right. And on the stovetop, like when you have, a, when I, you know, I've written five cookbooks. So like, I'm always telling people like, turn on the stovetop and when it's hot, add in your oil, add in your this. Well, people, everyone's guessing whether it's hot enough, right? And the Instant Pot, when you push the saute button, it says H-O-T. 
It tells you when it's hot enough to go in the next step and sear your, your meat or your chicken and throw in your aromatics for a soup. So I love the fact that it says, tells you when it's hot. Oh. And, you know, there's so many things I use it for. I make hummus in it. I, I steam potatoes in it that I then kind of fry in a pan and make breakfast potatoes. Mm. There's just chicken shawarma is so great in the instant pot. Mm-hmm. And just so many, there's so many, so much of the food that, what I love to say about the instant pot is that we use it to create comfort food the kind of food that we can share with others that if somebody's having a hard week or somebody, a baby's born or somebody dies, like it's the kind of food that you're going to put in a container and bring over to somebody's house. Mm -hmm. And it's just going to make them feel good. I love that so much. Well, thank you so much for talking with me, Paula, today. That has been so informative. Can you let people know, I know you've mentioned some of it, but we'll sum it all up a little bit, where they can find you and find your book, where they should go. Okay. So the kosherbaker.com is my website. There's also a blog posting which tells you how to use the Instant Pot for recipes you might already have that you want to kind of convert to Instant Pot use. So check that out. There's lots of recipes there too. There's also a link to a food tour to Israel that I've recently launched where it's hands-on cooking classes, learning all the ethnic foods of Israel on a food tour. It's called Savor Israel Tour. So check that out. My cookbooks are all on the website as well. You can buy them from me. You can buy them on Amazon. If you buy them from me, I sign them out. I send to you. But since your listeners may be in Canada, Amazon in Canada is the best way to order the books because shipping, for whatever reason, just makes no sense. It's very expensive there. And you know, I've been teaching Zoom classes all through the pandemic. I've taught about 230 Zoom classes. So I'm still booking classes with friends, family, teenagers, teaching people how to cook there. And I love when people message me with questions, whether it's through Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok, any way, I will answer all of your cooking and baking questions because I want everyone to be successful in the kitchen. That is so wonderful. Thank you so much, Paula. This has been really delightful. Thank you so much. Oh, wow. So much information from Paula. I love it. And I love what we're talking about at the end there about the instant pot and cooking time and pressure time. I have to say, literally just this week, I had a comment from somebody named Anne on my instant pot beets post asking why the cook time at the top of the recipe was different from the amount of time that we said to cook them for, to pressure cook them for. And it's exactly that, right? Like, because the pressure cook time is just the time that it takes after the pressure cooker comes to pressure and then finishes that pressure time cooking. It does not include the prep time at the beginning of heating up to get it to pressure or the release of pressure at the end. So you need to pay attention to that when you're developing recipes, as Paula absolutely does, and when you're looking at recipes to know if you want to make them or not, and you're paying attention to that time, right? Well, so I really hope you enjoyed hearing from Paula and you will check out her cookbooks, especially that new one, the Instant Pot Kosher Cookbook. So great. And now it's time to turn to our meal plan portion of the show. The meal plan this week is all kosher inspired. I'm pretty sure I did it. And they're really wonderful, flavorful recipes that use some of the same ingredients and your grocery list is shorter, but that have a lot of varieties that you're not getting bored of having the same thing every day. You know what I mean? To get this meal plan and the printable grocery list that goes with it, you head to cookthestory.com slash meal plans, and this is meal plan number 83. 
Let's dive in. We are starting this week with a 15-minute soup. That means it's ready from start to finish, all chopping and everything in under 15 minutes. This one is a kale soup with turkey kielbasa and chickpeas in it. So it's hearty tomatoes, chickpeas, kale, and then that sausage. Really great. And you're going to have that with some toasted pita bread to dip in the soup and get all that flavor. On day two of this meal plan, we're doing an instant pot chicken shawarma, just like Paula mentioned. You're going to make some extra chicken because we need it later in the week. You're going to have that with some more pita bread, some hummus, some cucumber, some red onion. Really throw in some fresh parsley in there. We need it in a couple of recipes, so throwing it in where you can adds so much bright freshness to everything. You could just chop it up over the chicken, or you could add it to those salad ingredients. Anywhere like that is going to be great. On the third day of this meal plan, we are doing an Italian cauliflower and quinoa bake. Now this uses cooked quinoa. So when you cook that quinoa, make twice as much as you need because we're going to have some on another day. And the bake is cauliflower and quinoa mixed together with tomato sauce and cheese. So tasty. Then you're going to have that with an iceberg lettuce salad that is cucumber, red onion, tomato, some pepperoncini peppers, you know, those jarred ones like in the Olive Garden salads and some Italian dressing. On the third day of this meal plan, you're doing a quinoa and chicken shawarma bowl. So you're going to use the leftover extra quinoa that you made. You're going to use that extra chicken shawarma meat that you made, and you're going to put it in a bowl with a hummus dressing. I'm going to link to a cauliflower rice bowl recipe that I have that does this hummus dressing thing. You're basically using store-bought hummus, and you're thinning it out with some liquid so that it acts as a dressing for this whole dinner. And that's going to have some tomato, bell pepper, cucumber, some iceberg lettuce if you want, and some more of that fresh parsley all in there. Beautiful, fresh flavors. This takes us to the last day of the meal plan. We're doing some salmon burgers. These salmon burgers use canned salmon that you just drain really, really well. And then that is the main part of the burger patties. And you're going to have that on burger buns with lettuce, tomato, cucumber, and mayonnaise. I would probably also do a bag of frozen french fries to have on the side, but that is up to you. Now that is our meal plan for the week. And that is our show for the week. Thank you so much for listening. I do hope you'll check out that workshop I was telling you about. I think those of us who love cooking but feel like tired of it sometimes, this is really to help us get together, get inspired, and make that chore more enjoyable or just bring joy to other parts of cooking in our lives. You can head to cookthestory.com slash joy to check out that workshop. Thank you so much to Paula Scheuer for being such an amazing guest. I learned so much. I hope you all did too. Thank you to Caroline Hull and her team at Wild Home Podcasting for producing this episode. And as always, thank you to Audio Snack for all the great music. And I just want to tell you, Audio Snack, their alter ego blow pop, just had one of their songs reach over a 100,000 listens on Spotify. So go check out Blow Pop. They're like my favorite band. They did the music for this show. They are awesome. I want you to check them out for sure. So I guess you have three tasks, right? You need to go check out Paula's cookbook, The Instant Pot Kosher Cookbook. You need to go check out my workshop, cookthestory.com slash joy, and go search for Blow Pop on Spotify or also on YouTube. Their videos are really, really great. Okay, have a wonderful week. <laughs> 